The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I will have Chris Coffin for the second half of the show, but let's just get right into it. Simon, you recorded the game and then you watched it without knowing the score, without what transpired late. With five minutes left in the third quarter, how did you feel? Seventeen nothing. It was there was only going to be one winner. Even Miami's monstrous ineptitude could not uh, surely throw away a seventeen point advantage at that point. When Randy Bullock kicked the field goal to make it seventeen three, I thought, okay. Their in, bumbling ineptitude will win out and the Bengals will win. And so I was proved right. Although I didn't realize it would be such a monstrous goat fuck in the way that it actually transpired. The If last week was a shambles, this was a fucking omni shambles. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just an absolute misery. Just, God, I'm so fucking annoyed. This team. <laughs> 34 fucking years of this shit. I mean, seriously, week in week out, hour after hour, middle of the fucking night, 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, they lost again. Oh, they lost again. I mean, I'm so tired of it. So boring. And I fucking knew it was happening. I mean, it was not like I didn't predict it was going to happen. But it was just that, you know, you're 17 nothing up on the road against the Bengals, a really good team. And look what happens. Just stunning. Just stunning. Yeah, and, and let me say this. Our defense played so good, and we have so many good players on that defense. But I will tell you this. I felt very confident. I thought, you know, I don't care how many field goals they kick. That they kicked the field goal is what made me even more confident that they were going to win this game. But as soon as Larry Tunsil got hurt, I remembered that game last year where the Cowboys replaced Tyron Smith with Chaz mm. Green. Do you remember that game? I was, I was there. <laughs> Chaz the Green. The, the Adrian Claiborne six-sack game. Yeah, he allowed six sacks, six more pressures, and two quarterback hits. So I'll tell you one thing about Chaz Green in that game. I was in the locker room after the game. At least Chaz Green came out to talk to the media. Uh-huh. I mean, he gets at least, you know, minuscule kudos for that. Yeah, so. let, me, let me say that. When that field goal went through, I was like, I don't care. Keep kicking field goals because field goals are not going to beat us. We're going to score one field goal, and that should do the game. And we're probably going to win this 20 to 10 or something like that. Do you know, do you know what they say? Do you know what they say? You're only as strong as your weakest link. Okay. We yeah. are only as good as our biggest moron. 
<laughs> and boy, we had some big morons playing for us yesterday. I mean, Martrell Spate, you know, mate, you made a special teams tackle. You're not fucking Reggie White. You've not just had a sack in to win the Super Bowl. You made a special teams tackle at the seven-yard line. I mean, wow. And then you give up a 15-yard penalty. I mean, moron. Okay, Sam Young comes in. I mean, look, looks like a nice guy. Goes fishing with Ryan Tannehill, but you know, could not stop my grandma from getting to the quarterback, and she's been dead for ten years. Moron. Okay, Tim McDonald. You know, moron. I mean, it, we were just the, the team's just littered with morons, and it, it. I'm just, I'm just so done. It's just a moron fest. Let, let me tell you this though. Uh, I'm pretty sick and tired of all these penalties that are. There's some that we absolutely deserve, and most of them are on our offensive linemen for holding because people like people get annoyed when you get a holding penalty because, you know, they're conditioned. They've seen enough football, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm, I'm almost certain that holding penalties lead to dead drives, and they usually lead to dead drives on our team for sure. But I'm sick and tired of these penalties that are questionable. I thought that that, that T.J. McDonald – hitting a defenseless receiver penalty was an absolute disaster. That's not a real – that's not a penalty. And that, no, led was, to, and that led to a touchdown. It was a, sh- it was a sham call. And to be honest, I did call him more, more on that's slightly unfair. Because, I mean, what can you do about it? I mean, genuinely, what could you do about it? Azuma makes the catch, or at least McDonald thinks he makes the catch. Yeah, he doesn't – in that split second when you're running full speed, so you don't know whether or not the guy's got the ball or not. And, and Azuma bends down towards TJ. It's not like – you know, it's not like it was a – you know, it wasn't like he was targeting. It wasn't like he was going for the kill shot. It's – I mean, come on. That was just a moronic call by, by the refs. But Christ, the whole – Charles Harris, there's another moron. I mean <laughs> – And he actually been, played okay. He actually played okay the, yesterday. I mean – if you grade okay by the fact that he he gets close to quarterbacks and then lets them slip out of his grasp, I mean, I've seen him give up more sacks in terms of like a bloke. Oh, he's got him for oh no, he's not. I mean, if he for the amount of times where I've gone, oh, he's going to sack him, he probably have fifteen sacks at this point. <laughs> he's a he's had two in like 20, 20 games or something. I mean, he's bordering on bust territory at this point. There was an interesting stat, and somebody had it on Twitter. I don't know who, but I looked it up, and then I rewatched the game, and I, and I sped up through the all the snaps that he played, and I watched them. And the stat was that he touched Andy Dalton six times course in that did. game on Sunday. He touched <laughs> like, him more than his wife does. <laughs> if you're a defensive end and you touch the opposing quarterback six times and you get zero sacks, although I will say this, he was robbed of one sack. He deserves one sack, and Jerome Baker should – give one of his two sacks to him, okay? But if you touch the quarterback six times in a game, then, yeah, there's an issue there. (laughs) And you're not getting sacks? Yeah, there's a problem there. Uh, There was something inevitable about it. Yes. There was just something inevitable. And uh, do you know what the worst of it was? The worst of it was the fact they lulled you into a false sense of security twice, not once, but twice, by going up 17-0 and looking good on the road, quiet in the crowd, making the, a good Bengal team go three and out all the time. That was one lull. But the second lull was at 17 all when they have third and 19, and you know they're not going to convert. And then Kenyon Drake not only destroys Carl Lawson with that block, but then yeah. converts to the third and 19. And you're like, that's it. That's the, the, that's the dagger. Yeah. When I saw that, now. when I saw that, I tweeted out, third and 19, this can only end badly, and this is where we lose yeah. the game. When we got that, I started thinking to myself, I didn't tweet it, but I started thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is the game 
where Jason Sanders kicks a field goal. And we win 20 to 17, you know? Yeah. Like, then, like the Bengals get the ball back, and who knows? Maybe Dalton throws an interception to Rashad Jones or Minka or something like that. You know what I mean? And then the, the, the commentator, another moron, then <laughs> says, that could be the play that could be the, the, the one where you look back. And Rich Gannon goes, yeah, yeah. You know, if the Dolphins go on to win this, that could be the play. And literally the next play, Tannehill, Tannehill throws it into Durham Smythe's face and it's returned for a touchdown. I mean... <laughs> that was the, insane. They should have called it the moron bowl and just been done with it. <laughs> that was insane. clusterfuck. Yeah. Well, uh, if you did bet on the Dolphins, you're an idiot. Okay. Yeah, you but, are. All right. But tell the people how they could have lost their money by betting on the Dolphins, Simon. Yeah, so the NCAA, NCAA and NFL seasons are obviously rattling along. And if you're a Dolphin supporter, they're rattling along badly. But you can take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with BetDSI.com. They are celebrating 20 years online, have an impeccable reputation for great service, and fast payment for your winnings with an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid unless you're a Dolphin supporter anytime. <laughs> Tell me you get started, they're offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit now to start winning and get up to $2,500 free. So when it comes to football, BetDSI have every wedge you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sport, they'll put a line on it. The NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, UFC, Alf, did you win or lose on McGregor Khabib at the weekend? I lost my money on McGregor. Yeah, I mean, he's another absolute... I was never happier than when I saw that bellend get beaten. <laughs> Premier League, eSports, political stuff. So join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid. Enjoy the games that much more when you bet with betdsi.com. There you go. All right, Simon. We talked about this on WhatsApp. I know what the announcement is. So does Chris. And you know. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, now I'm you're going to sure. reveal it here on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're going to bet to see this coming, but I, I, I made this pronouncement last night to you boys. After seven years and much hope, I am out officially on Ryan Tannehill. I'm done. <laughs> He's, I mean, I'll support him the entire way. I'll back him the entire way. But, you know, and I'll hold my hands up to all those people on social media who for years messaged me to say I was wrong. <sighs> it's over. <laughs> it's over. I'm out. He's just not got it physically mentally my girlfriend's come in the room because she, even she can't believe what i'm saying right now but it's true it, it's the the love affair is over he's a lovely guy he, you know he's got a nice kid <laughs> but i'm just do you have your Tannehill jersey ready to ready to set it on fire here on the podcast I've got a Jay Cutler jersey on just because that's that's how badly I feel. I've got a Brock Osweiler jersey warming up in the oven. I am I am a I'm about to order a David Fales jersey. That's no, how. No. no, the one you need is the Luke Falk jersey. That's yeah. that's what you need. Okay. But, but in all seriousness, I am I am done on on thinking that this is gonna it's been seven seasons now. You know, and you can complain about Bill Lazor and offensive coordinators and offensive line and this, that, and the other, and yada, 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 and nothing's going to change. And the last two weeks have kind of shown that nothing's going to change. You know, he isn't, he's not football savvy enough. There are just times where I just think, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand where you're throwing that. I don't understand. Like there was a run yesterday where 
he had a cutback lane and could have picked up about 30 more yards. And I don't know how he doesn't see it. Then he runs a play to the side, like a, a design quarterback rollout to the short side of the field and just kind of runs out of bounds. He had like William Jackson must have hands. He must have tennis rackets for hands because <laughs> he had two catch. He had two picks that he, you know, that the, the Michael Johnson return for a time. Where is he throwing that? I just don't, I, mean, I just, and it just goes on and, and, you know, he'll tease us again. He'll probably come back and beat the Bears and he'll look great. And, you know, we'll be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. but it's, you know, it's just been one too many times. And so at this point forwards now, I am, I am done and I am Justin Herbert. I am Tua Tungavailoa. I am Jake Fromm. I am every Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, just, um, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm out. I'm so sorry. And you know who? And I'm getting close to being out on Adam Gaze as well. And I again, been a massive supporter, but I just don't quite get it. And you know, a couple of people asked me on social media today about whether or not he could give up play calling. Maybe he could, and Doel Loggins could take over. But in Carolina last season, after the Monday night game, I asked Gaze whether or not he would give up play calling duties. And if looks could kill, I would have been dead. And he gave me a literally a one word answer. Or actually, it was he sort of said no. I I'm not doing that, and, and left. So, no, it's uh, it's a mystery to me. But I, I am out officially on 17. Although I reserve the right to get back in <laughs> when we go on a massive winning streak. So I'm just going to put that out there. And okay. fuck any of you that think uh, you know I can't change my mind because I can. Now, very quickly, I have some things to say about Ryan Tannehill too, but very quickly, uh, you picked the Bengals to win. You've been correct all year. You have them three and two at this yep. point, right? Yep. Okay. So you expected this loss. Was it just the soul-crushing nature of the loss that disappoints lost, you? I'd rather lost 90 to nothing, frankly, <laughs> because in a way this was worse than the – because what happened in New England was spineless. But what happened in Cincinnati was dumb. Yeah, just dumb. Just yeah. dumb. Dumb and spineless. Yeah. I don't think and you win, you know, and, and look around look, look around that, you know, look around that team. And we talked about this on WhatsApp earlier on about, you know, the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl. The Dolphins won't win the Super Bowl in the next 10 years. Not even a hope. You know, their best player, best two players on defense are are essentially held together by string in Cameron Wake and Rashad Jones. Wake is about 109 years old and Rashad is about 72. Well, I think that the best two players on defense happen to be their two youngest, which is Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't think Fitzpatrick was that good yesterday, to be honest. I thought he he was adequate. And I'll tell you why he was adequate. I thought that the Bengals were doing everything in their power to try to get A.J. Green out on the boundary on McTire. And, yeah, I mean, and I thought, Minka, I Minka was, was right fine. there with him. And let me tell you, man, A.J. Green is, is, is a special athlete. He he's is, going to the Hall yeah. of Fame. He's going to the Hall I of Fame. Thought, he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver in his I prime. Thought, Howard played well. I thought Jones played well. McDonald was a disaster. And he just takes such bad angles. Baker played pretty well. I thought I thought it was probably uh, McMillan's probably his best game. Yeah, I thought the defensive line generally played well. I thought Robert Quinn was really unlucky at times because I think you know who had his best Gordon game. Glenn. You know who had his best game as a Dolphin, Raquan McMillan. He was yeah, so yeah. good. He yeah, he was excellent. Vincent Taylor played well, but I just yes, he did. I don't know. I just don't see it. And that offensive line is an absolute. And Robert Quinn, best. Robert Quinn was absolutely unblockable. And I think that yeah. that's what that's what made that loss so bad, is that. 
man, there were so many good players on that defense that played so well. You know, you're shutting out a team that was averaging 32 points per game at how home. Bad, how bad must Zach Sterrett be if Sam Young can play and he doesn't even get – he's not even active? Yeah, who knows, really. But like, there you go. You know, anyway. Like, I think you could have gotten a garbage can, filled it up with sand, and just lined it up at left tackle. Like, maybe you could have had Larson, like, carry the garbage can. Like, if we gained four yards, you just have Larson get the garbage can and put it at left tackle right next to him. that With Tunsil in concussion protocol and unlikely he's playing next weekend, at least Khalil Mack's coming to town. Can you imagine <laughs> Khalil Mack on Sam Young? He could have 10 sacks in one game. <laughs> 10? Why not 25? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, on, yeah. Before we go, before we go, and we go to break on Tannehill, I've always maintained on online that he was Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, and I was happy with that for 15 years. If we can get it, you don't think he can even reach that? No, because I don't think he'll. He, he can't win a Super Bowl. Flacco's won a Super Bowl. Eli's one two. He can't. He can't do that. He's not that good. He can't. Really? No. That's where I disagree with you. I think that if the team is good enough around him, he's one of those average guys that can find it within himself to play really well in a couple of games, and that's enough to win it all. I don't think he can. I think he'd have to do it at home in perfect conditions. In you know, and he'll tease. He'll in the tease, bubble. <laughs> in tease, the Nick Saban yeah. bubble. He'll tease us for the rest of his career, for the rest of his days in Miami. There'll be times when, you know, you'll think, no, he's got it. He's turned the corner. Now, what do you make of this? I'm going to talk about this with, uh, with Chris after the break. But uh, I observed and I, watched, and I watched every single play. I decided, you know what? I'm going to watch everything that didn't involve Laramie Tunsil. Because everything that involved Laramie Tunsil led to a 17-3 to lead. Okay? So Laramie Tunsil leaves the game. The score is 17-3. to the offense goes out there, and it's an absolute disaster from that point on. Gase blamed the loss on Larry Tunson. We talked about how, you know, Adrian Claiborne last year against, you know, the Cowboys, he short-circuited everything. But I thought that Adam Gase did Ryan Tannehill zero favors and did the team zero favors by calling an even more complicated passing game when Larry Tunson went out. And I don't understand how you see that your quarterback has no time and you decide you want to call more longer developing, slower developing routes. Like, what did you make of that play calling as soon as he went out? Like, if there was a time ever to go completely conservative, I'm talking about bring Callum Balazs in and play three running backs and just run the wishbone the rest of the game. That was the game. Because they just couldn't pass block at all. What did you make of the play calling? I just don't think they could run block either. I mean, I, you know, I, I do think Tannehill was slightly damned by the fact that, that how could you possibly play against that front? How could you possibly? Because they were just so appalling. And, you know, it, it, we talk about three-step drops, five-step drops, seven-step drops. He, he didn't even have time to set his feet before he was getting hit or the pocket was collapsing. And we know what he's like when he gets pressure, especially pressure in his face. And Geno Atkins was destroying Ted Larson. And, uh, I mean, I thought the play calling was pretty shabby. But, you know, I don't think it was the – I think it just was a combination of – I just don't think the play calling generally is very good. And, you know, I'm so bored of Gaze saying, oh, uh, you know, we did this or we needed to do a bit more of that. Or we need, well, fucking well, do it. You're the one that's calling the players. And <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what I do – I tell you what else I think as well is that they they talked up Mike Jasicki and they can't get him involved at all. 
and they no. miss Devontae Parker. He cannot play without a big receiver. He needs a big receiver, and the other the, the guys are too small. And I don't think you trust the small guys to put it up. And you know, it's fine to throw five and seven yard out routes and slants and stuff, but he, you know, he's not going to put it up to a to a little guy. He just isn't. So, well, on the Twitter account, everybody was you know losing losing their minds uh, talking about you know everybody's angry, so everybody wants a pound of flesh. So naturally, what do they want? They want Devontae Parker out of town. And I said on the three YPC account, uh, be careful <laughs> what you wish for, because. On this team and with this quarterback, there are certain routes that only Devontae Parker can get and will have the ball thrown to him because Ryan Tannehill does not trust his other wide receivers with those routes. Devontae Parker is the only guy that will get those 22-yard in cuts and the 18-yard outs. And, and those fade routes, forget it, you know, because we've already seen him fail with, with Gusecki. He only, he only really trusts – Devontae Parker with part of the route tree that he doesn't trust the other guys. So he's limiting himself, which kind of tells you, you know, that Ryan Tannehill is kind of limited yeah. instinctually as a quarterback. Yeah. Because, you know, the great ones, they'll throw to anybody if they're open. Yeah. Man, I'm done. Take us to break. Bring Christopher in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Simon Clancy is out on Ryan Tannehill. But he does reserve, he does reserve the right. He does reserve the right to jump back on that bandwagon. No, I'll if, be there. I'll yeah, be there. yeah. If they if they can string together a few wins, remember, Dolphins are coming home now. Things tend to change because they're one fifteen on the road, but they're they're kind of like fifteen and one at home. So which leaves you with what eight and eight. We'll go on a break right now. When we come back, we'll have Chris Kaufman. But first, these words. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is, is chasing <laughs> me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a cane sting on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that, that's where it all started for me. And just, just the style of play. And, and really, it, was, it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here. And, you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in 86 when we're whipping Oklahoma. And just, you know what I mean? Just, just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And we're back. And before we get into it now with Chris Kaufman here, uh, let me tell you about our great sponsor, BetQL. 
Want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? BetQL is available for download, and it's the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily access line movement to see how the lines have moved. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends. You can also calculate your turn on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to BetQL.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's BetQL.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. And I don't know why anybody wouldn't download this this app because first of all, it's a very good app. And second of all, it's free. And if you want to be better informed when you make your bets or you make your picks every Sunday or Saturday, you want to have a little bit more information. And, you know, why wouldn't you download it? Support us, support our sponsor, download BetQL. Well, Chris, this game was something else. Let's just let's just get into it right away. Your thoughts. <laughs> just not okay we'll spend the entire podcast talking about something else (laughs) let's start where i started with simon five minutes left in the third quarter your thoughts (laughs) those are my thoughts (laughs) i i i depressed myself i'm sorry dear listeners uh i depressed myself by going over some of the second half tape like just before getting on with alf to record this so right now i just kind of want to blow my brains out or (laughs) take a very long nap (laughs) maybe both um it's it's bad (laughs) so i let's yeah sure let's get into it Uh, why not we've already had enough punishment do you want me to make you feel even worse no no i don't but go ahead okay well you know tonight you know on our other great sponsor, Bet the Asaya, Bet the Saints, minus six. And they're destroying the Redskins. And, of course, Drew Brees, former Dolphin quarterback Drew Brees, broke the all-time passing record tonight. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I bet Dante Culpepper scored a touchdown somewhere, too. Yeah, yeah, like in, in his front yard. Against the Dolphins, somehow. <laughs> uh, I won in fantasy this weekend. That's, that's <laughs> pretty like i'm i'm really stoked about that um i also did really well in my college picks thank you bet ql um and i did well in my nfl picks actually i did well in everything except not having my groin kicked in by <laughs> the dolphins that was that was it i mean even you south florida one uh, it was it was a great day UM had a stirring comeback. UM had a stirring comeback. I was I was uh, watching it, um, and then this happened. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Second half, third quarter. Um, you know, a lot of what was going on in this game uh, in in the second half is is just it's sort of I, I know it's it's tempting to look at look at how the Dolphins blew it, so to speak. 
in the second half, but um, but I I think that they actually just I think they blew it throughout the game. It wasn't the second half alone. I know it seems that way, uh, and a couple of big plays, of course, made. I mean, you know, throw an interception off of Durham Smith's face guard uh, <laughs> right into Michael jo- Johnson's lap, and he returns for a touchdown. Okay, that's that's a pretty big play. Um, and then you, the other one, uh, with Tannehill's scrambling around and he's he's trying to trying to hit a guy and and um who was it was it Juwan james's man that uh that, that yeah it was hubbard got, that came got, all the way across yeah. the formation to smack Tannehill. got all the way got all all the way to him and um and wasn't wasn't james called for holding on that play anyway uh, yes he was so yeah double double dicked um so i think yeah those those plays obviously had a lot to do with it but those plays wouldn't have even mattered if you know, they would have taken advantage of their opportunities in the first half. And I thought that there was so much squandered in the first half. You look at it, they only scored 10 points on offense. And that's, that's just awful. So I don't know. I don't know what, what Adam Gase is doing on the road, but um, I've talked about this before, but on the road, even with Tannehill at quarterback, they're scoring 15 points per game. It's not acceptable. And at home, they're scoring over somewhere between 27 and 28 points per game with Tannehill at quarterback. And I don't know what that difference is. And I would sure love to hear Adam Gase try and explain it to me. You know, use your big brain and your I know everything about football and you guys don't know shit to tell me about why there's a 12-point difference from you know nine away games and eight home games over your tenure with the Miami Dolphins with Adam or with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback um, tell me that coach uh, that's that's the first question that I've got and you better answer it because I'm not going to try and answer it for you I'm not going to try and you know be a smart guy and say you know why don't you do this or why don't you do that no no I want you to tell me why you think that is because if I'm the owner that's the first fucking question I'm asking you I'm, I'm going to bring you into my office and I'm going to say listen I want to know why the hell you can't score anything on the road but you all of a sudden your offense works at home it's it's not normal it doesn't happen across the league that way um the normal normal is a three-point swing from home to away not normal is a fucking ten, a 12-point swing so uh, I want you to explain that to me, and then I want you to develop a 10-point plan to figure it out and, and get, get control of it and remedy it. And then if you don't do it, you're fired. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the conversation that I'm having with Adam Gates right now if I'm Steve Ross. So anyway, um, I digress. Third quarter, what, what happened, obviously, there are those big plays, but really – if they had taken advantage of their opportunities in the first half and at the beginning of the third quarter, then those plays don't really matter. Those plays happen in part because, you know, the Dolphins were pressing, trying to get control them, uh, get control of the game back from the Bengals who clearly had started to get the momentum on their side. Um, and for as much as we talk about, or, or we like what the defense did, in that game, they blitzed Andy Dalton a lot. 
in that game. They almost blitzed him on half of his play of his past plays. And that doesn't quite cover it because they blitzed on, you know, they happen to be blitzing on a lot of run plays too. And, um, and Andy, you know, Simon even mentioned it heading into the game. Andy Dalton was the top rated passer against the blitz in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily pressure, but blitz, you know, blitz doesn't necessarily mean pressure, a top rated passer against the blitz. And you know, in the first half and beginning of the third quarter, it kind of worked. And then um, in the, the second half, it totally did not work. Andy Dalton made big plays against our blitz as he's been doing all year. And he finished with something like 100, according to Pro Football Focus, 106 passer rating against our blitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only like a 75 passer rating against our non-blitz. And so, you know, I think that they got blitz happy. They kept, they kept turning it up even as the Bengals were getting the momentum. And... Um, and it didn't uh, it didn't work out in our favor because I, I realized that we only allowed uh, you know so many points on defense because there were those two god mind numbing touchdowns that happened um, with Tannehill, but they did all happen at the end of the game, and they did all happen on like successive uh, possessions, and they happened at exactly a time. This is supposed to be a defense that's designed to play with a lead. And they couldn't play with a fucking lead. So I don't, I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that pat on the back there for that. I, I, well, I, I completely that. disagree with you. They were playing with lead. The score was seven. Well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is they played with the lead, but they didn't play well with the lead. <laughs> well, but what did they really give up when they had the lead? When they had the lead, they got a bad penalty. They had in the second half, they, there was four drives until the the Bengals who averaged 32 points per game and they were playing at home, got their first touchdown of the game to make the score 17 to 10. Then the offense gave them two touchdowns. It's the first half, first half and beginning of the third quarter, they were, they were doing great. I mean, they were getting out to that lead to that fast start, but then the defense even started to get, to give up, you know, a, a touch, a field goal, a touchdown, and another field goal on three successive possessions to the Bengals' offense to end the third quarter and start and go halfway through. Nine minutes left in the uh, in the, the third quarter to, um, you know, about what like three and a half minutes left in the the fourth quarter. Over the course of that, however many minutes that is, it's twenty minutes or so. Uh, three straight possessions and the Bengals scored on all three possessions. And so you, you can't just say that that's the Michael Johnson interception return because it wasn't just that it was three straight drives uh, where the Cincinnati Bengals offense, you know, got stuff done on our defense in, you know, critical moments with, with us playing with the lead. So I, I understand that you want to blame this on the offense and, and everybody wants to blame this on the offense, but it was, it was a team goat fuck as, as a, or a monstrous goat fuck, as Simon would say. Well, let's talk about some specifics, okay? That third and one call, what did you make of it? I, I said my piece on, on Twitter, and I'm going to have a piece on Dolphin Maven, which will be up 
as you listen to this podcast, it's going to be up on Dolphin Maven talking about that play and all the others that ended up blowing up on our face. What did you make of the play call? What did you make of the result? What did you make of what you would have done? Play call to me was all right because Ryan Tannehill had a couple of options. He could have run for that first down probably, you know, or at least he's supposed to be able to with, you know, we know what kind of speed he has and even coming off of the knee injuries, which he hasn't really shown those knee injuries. He had options there. Uh, I didn't mind the play call that much. It was obviously the decision and the throw. I mean, he just threw it up. I mean, it wasn't even a guy open and, you know, and, and hitting him and trying to hit him in stride or something like that. It wasn't, wasn't like some of the plays that we saw against New England. He just threw it up. And I think that was just an inexcusably stupid decision by Ryan Tannehill on that, on that play. And I think that this is part of it. You know, he's, he's still trying to get the feel of, uh, cause he's been told to cut loose this, this season and not worry about things like that. Like if you see it, throw it, just, just go ahead. And some of the things he did in this game and some of the things he did last game were that, I mean, they're, they're just him being aggressive and him trying to, to do it to to make something happen um but he's not reading the moment and and i think that that's uh i think that that's a problem and that was certainly a problem at that moment in the game when they just i mean hey if they get that conversion and they keep they keep going then the game could have been over yeah um so i you know there are a lot of things that i mean the 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 tj mcdonald penalty if that didn't happen the game would have been over because they wouldn't have gotten that touchdown. Um, so I think that uh, I, I, there's a lot of mistakes that, that screwed it up. That third and one was certainly one of them. And I, I can't blame the play call on that. I, especially, did you look at the two plays before that? Yeah. Um, the two plays before that, the run plays before that, were, were great run calls. Mm-hmm. They were perfect. for. I mean, so, so clearly the Bengals had started to make some adjustments um on on Miami's run game and then we called two you know great plays that took advantage of that one was power you know one was power left and the other was a nice uh trap with a wham block and and um and Frank Gore made some made some great yardage out of it and uh and we wasted it we wasted those two great play calls because we call third down play that you know should have been kind of a gimme and Tannehill turns it into you know a not gimme well, I wrote on, on Dolphin Maven, and you could look at that right now as you listen to this podcast, but what I wrote on there was the play call is one that we've seen before, but since it's that, that little waggle boot play, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a flood concept, you're going to draw a safety a little closer, and it really increases the, the possibility that your strong side wide receiver could be one-on-one with a corner. And I think Tannehill had it in the back of his head that if they snuff out this play and they have it all covered, my worst-case scenario is that I have Kenny Stills one-on-one with Dre Kirkpatrick. He didn't manage the game correctly in that point. He has to know time, down, distance. And he has to think to himself, you can't be thinking – like this is the way you think when the score is 7-7 in the first quarter. You can't be thinking this with a 17 with a – to three lead okay Mm -hmm. 
you have that play called and you know, okay, you got to think about the worst case scenario. Okay, the worst case scenario, I'm positive that he had it in his head. They have everything covered. They have me snuffed out. I'm going to get Kenny Stills one-on-one here. So, you know, maybe I could end the game with one throw. Don't think well, that. Well, I think, I think that's right. I think Tannehill was, did want to end the game with one throw. I think I ultimately, you know, Albert Wilson, the the, the genius that, that Adam Gase thinks that he is, uh, you know, he thought Albert Wilson was going to pop open. A defensive lineman crashed right through and bumped the hell out of Wilson. So, you, you know, it made it, it made it difficult. I still wonder if Tannehill could have, could have put on some jets and, and I mean, it's a yard. Um, and I, I think that that's probably what Gaze would have preferred instead of doing what he did. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, maybe Gaze would regret the play call. I didn't see that it was necessarily that bad. Uh, I just thought that, uh, that Tannehill flubbed it. And here's the other, the flip side to that. When they come to the line, Tannehill, He's been accused of being a game manager, and I said on on the Free YPC account on Sunday that a lot of the Tana haters, as we like to call them, they like to like put this label on Tannehill that he is like this really uber conservative quarterback that only likes to throw it five yards from the line of scrimmage. And mm-hmm. I said that it's actually the opposite. The problem, mm-hmm. his problem, is not that he's conser- that he's too conservative. My problem with him, especially this year, is that he's not conservative enough. He had yeah, the opportunity this, to this check year, to a I mean, run on that play, or sure. he could have changed Kenny Stills' route. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, I mean, we've we've been talking about it since training camp. He's been told, he's been told to let loose, to to cut it open, and to not not to play conservatively. So, you know, that part of that part of that is by order, by dictum. Yeah. Uh, boy, the Bengals really did dictum on that one. So, um, yeah. I think uh, I think that part of this you still have to go back to the head coach a little bit on that um the question is going forward is what's what's Tannehill going to do is he going to is he going to stop cutting loose like that is he going to try and just play smarter or is he um you know he's going to go back into a sort of a more of a conservative shell uh I don't know uh I think I think he's 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 in love with some things that that are problematic right now and I don't know. It's if this were at home, we would have won the game. I, yeah. I really am convinced of that. I, I think that if this were at home, the Bengals don't get that sort of momentum back. They don't have the crowd on their side. Um, you know, there were so many moments in the end, toward the end of the third quarter, when it almost ended anyway. You know, mm-hmm. you, so and you think that if that's at home, then it probably does. And um, so, you know, let's. Let's not let's not pretend that Miami got their asses whooped in this game. It's just a really frustrating day. It's just really frustrating. You, the matchups we said that the ma- I said that the matchups were going to be there. That um, that this was a hard game to pick because you know home teams when winning teams face one another, uh, the home team wins sixty percent of the time. There's a reason for that. Um, when you know a home a winning team comes home after a victory they win like 70 percent of the time there's a reason for that but at the same time you looked in the matchups you looked at the style of defense that Cincinnati was going to play how different it was from what New England did to stymie the Dolphins the week before Um, you know how sort of how amped up Miami was going to be in this game and sure enough they were 
all of that really played out. The slow linebackers, we got we got the matchups we wanted on those slow linebackers and took advantage of it. Um, but uh, you know, the the series of mistakes didn't end, and the mistakes ended up ruling the day. I thought that if there was ever a game to go back to your conservative roots, it was it was on the road in Cincinnati yeah. up seventeen to three. Now yeah. you know. Tannehill doesn't seem to be able to turn it on and off, and I think that's a problem. And I, I talked about that with, with Simon, which – but let's talk about the coach here. He blames the loss basically on Laramie Tunsil going out, and I told the story with, with about that Dallas Cowboys-Atlanta Falcons game with Simon. He was actually at the game where mm-hmm. Chaz Green gave up six sacks, six pressures, and two quarterback hits in one game, Okay. Chaz Green basically ended the game. One guy, one left tackle, ended an entire game for a professional sports franchise, the Dallas Cowboys, against the Atlanta Falcons. It could have been as simple as that, that Sam Young is so incompetent that you're just not going to score any more points and everything's mm-hmm. going to be completely short-circuited. Your thoughts on what Gase did? Because you saw the film. I have my thoughts. But what did Gase do to mitigate the loss of Larry McTunsil? Because he's blaming the loss on Laramie Tunsil going into a concussion protocol. So, okay, we saw him do some things. We saw that that stick-you-in-the-heart block that Kenyon Drake hit on, uh, I believe it was Carl Lawson. I think it was yeah. your boy. Yeah, it was on uh, Carl Lawson. He, just, he stabbed him in the heart and then and then caught that ball and, and converted a third and 16. So they did some things to help him out, but I don't think they win this game if Laramie Tunsil stays in. I really don't. I think that uh, by that time, because if, if you look at if you look at the big plays that that the defensive line started to make toward the end, it was Geno Atkins. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. him abusing Jesse Davis. It was Geno Atkins abusing um, Ted Larson on on a play. It was a, a giant cluster of bodies on that one. And by the way, Tannehill. What people ask, what what the hell was Tannehill trying to do here? Um, I don't think the Tan uh, Tannehill was trying not to get the grounding call. I think, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he could have gotten it. And he he was he was being hit by a bunch of people, so I don't think he could have gotten beyond the line of scrimmage. And even if you're out of the tackle tackle box, you have to get it beyond the line of scrimmage. Well, Chris Simon made his his pronouncement. He's out on seventeen. So what did you make? What do you make of seventeen? And what do you think about his announcement? I don't. I, it seems like we're just moving the goalposts back and forth whenever, whenever we get emotional one way or the other. I, it doesn't. Seventeen's not changed um, the whole time. Uh, he is. He has been what he's been probably since, probably since about when he was drafted. But I think he, I think he probably took a step up in 2014, and we've seen probably a little bit of a different player since uh, since the second half of 14. But. Um, he hasn't changed much. I think it's us that get emotional after wins and after losses. And so we start declaring this and start declaring that. And, and the reason I, the reason I, I say that is we're talking about like, you know, first half of, of 2014, maybe four games in or four or five games in or something like that. Uh, how many people declare that they're out on Ryan Tannehill and that, you know, they're done with him. I, I witnessed them. I saw them doing it. And, and then all yeah. of a sudden he goes on a tear in the second half of the season under Bill Lazor, that was the first season that he and Lazor were together. And, um, and you know, 
so so everybody's everybody's now high on Tannehill and going in 2015 and then and then the whole season goes tits up in 2015 so um 2016 happens and then what after the first was it five games what were we one and four yeah um you know, after five games, everybody's given up on Tannehill. I heard it. That's what I heard constantly. Well, you know, we need to draft a quarterback. Tannehill's not the guy. Tannehill's not the guy. Tannehill's not the guy. And then he goes on a tear, and what, like six or seven games later, he's Tannehill has diehards that were just saying, you know, he's made diehards of people that were that were just giving up on him. Um, we're yeah. five games this season, and I – there's been two games, two consecutive games on the road where the Dolphins have a historical problem putting up offense under Adam Gase. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't see the point. I don't see the point in giving up on Tannehill. He's going he's gonna to play the rest of the season, you know, whether you like it or not, whether you've given up on him or not, whether you – it doesn't matter. He's going to play the rest of the season, and if he goes on a tear, you're going to be, you know, taking back, the, taking back your declarations and – being like, you know, I, I like Tannehill now all of a sudden. Yeah, in the immortal words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. We're coming home now. Things could change just like that. And if it doesn't change, then you can panic. Yeah, let's just put this one to bed. When we talk to you guys again, we will be previewing Dolphins, Bears, this time at home, where hopefully we get back to our winning ways. Till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.